Welcome to Rubber Bands, an Avenues Recovery Podcast. Conversations about the push and pull of addiction and recovery. And now, here's your host, Shlomo Hoffman. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Episode 7 of Rubber Bands, conversations about the push and pull of addiction and recovery. We continue to shed light on the world of addiction treatment by talking to the people who make up its heart and soul, those who have gone through it and those that have helped them get through it, sharing their experiences and insight in how people can find their way back from the darkest places and light up the world for themselves and for those that love them. We are joined today by Shane Walker, whose golden radio voice has echoed across the Eastern Shore for decades. Coupled with his work as residential program director at the Salvation Army, Shane is a true asset and friend to our Maryland community. Shane is an active proponent of addiction and treatment done the right way. His work with the homeless community often intersects with the addiction treatment field. He has gained a wealth of experience and firsthand knowledge on what we are doing well and what we can do better. Welcome, Shane. Thanks for joining us. What's going on today? Thank you so much for having me. That that was the best intro I've ever gotten in any interview I've done. I, I greatly appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me a little bit, Shane, getting back, and we're going to get to you know how you how your relationship with Avenues and your relationship with the homeless population, but I want to start from the beginning, sort of. Um, tell us a little bit about radio. You know, you're, big, you're, you're a very known voice in the community, um, and tell us how you feel you make an impact with that voice. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I, I started radio uh, when I was nine years old. Uh, listened to the station in the town that I was growing up in, got really fond of one of the announcers, went out and met her at a live broadcast and said, if you ever need a kid's voice for commercials, uh, give me a call. I'd love to do it. Um, and lo and behold, she did um, and started doing some work, making a tape when I was a kid. Ironically, uh, even though we developed a very good friendship, she lost her job because she was an alcoholic and uh, one too many times under the influence on the radio and um, just uh, had, had to get pulled off the air one day doing the news at around noon and we lost touch. Uh, but before she, uh, before she and I lost touch, she told me that radio was where I belong. She made my first tape that I was to, uh, to use to get a job in radio, and which I did starting at around uh, 14. What did that tape consist of? Was that like a DJing type of thing? Was it uh, was it spinning tracks? No, it was just commercials. I'd come in, and if they needed a like a you know, say it was a there was a, a family riding in a car down a really bumpy driveway, and I played the kid uh, right. in the, in that bumpy car ride. You know, I became the radio station mascot. They dressed me up as a as a tiny elf. Maybe that's where the drinking began. Now that I think, about it. I don't know. <laughs> We need picture and video evidence, Shane. There, I will connect you with my mother. Uh, she's very <laughs> happy to share to share that photo. But you know, it's it, it kind of started from there. It was so much fun, and back then, radio was different than it is today. Radio was live, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. You had people on the air all the time, weekend people. You had overnight people. You had people out in the community, um, and and that's who you did radio for. It was for your local community, and I just. I dug it. Uh, I, I met some very interesting people uh, and just felt that that's where I belonged and was having a blast doing it. And, um, you know, to answer your question, what, what does it contribute to the community? Gosh, I, 
someone that they feel they can trust to give them information, maybe someone they can turn to for a little bit of entertainment if they need a break from the monotony of their day and, you know, uh, just uh, some sort of, of constant and um, constant companion, I guess, that, that they know they can turn to and, and feel like they have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with. That's, that's what you get to do if you, um, if you do it right. Very cool. So it's a, it's a sort of uh, audio connection with people's souls. It is in the community that I've been in, the communities of this size, you know, you you become that connection on the radio and then they meet you at an event and then they see you shopping at the same grocery store as they do. How do they recognize you? They hear you yelling for at the, about the price of tomatoes? They do. It's like, I need a pound of roast beef. And they go, I know that voice. <laughs> Very cool. So are you mo you're mostly um, in your radio career, you mo you've mostly done on the FM dial, is that correct? FM radio, uh, morning shows, afternoon shows, overnight weekend shows, but it's it's always been playing the tunes and giving entertainment information, uh, giving you know local community information. Did a did a stint uh, when I was in high school. I would get up and go do the the morning news on the radio station. Then I'd go to school. Then I'd leave school and go do the afternoon drive music stuff. And then. You know, did did that for a while. So a little little bit of everything, not much in the way of sports, because I can't talk about what I don't know. Uh, other than that, it's it's been uh, been a lot of music, a lot of fun, a lot of cool opportunities. What what does your prep look like for these shows? <clears throat> That's about it. I clear my throat and uh, <laughs> just, and it. you know, you give me a script, I'm I'm gonna throw it away because I I can't do scripted stuff. I'm just gonna go in and. And give people information that they need based on the the time that we're in. You know, for if, if everything is is fun and happy and the community is doing cool stuff, we'll talk about that. If you know the last year and change, we've been you know talking about COVID stuff. It's not fun. It's not entertaining. But people need good information, and we'll we'll give them just enough where where they get a, a quick hit of good information and a, a place where they can go to uh, to find out some more information within our company. You know, website, Facebook, that kind of stuff. So you you have to base it on who is who's listening and where they're listening so you can give them the, the content that they want and need very cool so following that theme of uh not following a script so like let, let's walk uh walk through your life here um so you you sort of got into the radio scene and then you had a a brush with addiction it was a little bit later in life is that right it wasn't like you were this kid in high school that was drinking and doping up and um, sort of started later. Walk us through that a little bit. That that bump in the road, so to speak. That you know, change in the script. Yeah, it did. I you know, I remember being in high school and hearing the guys in class talk about the parties they were going to have every weekend. And, oh, I'm going to get the the vodka and I'm going to get the beer and I'm going to drink this. And and I remember thinking, you know. I knew I had work to do that weekend. You know, like how are how are how is this appealing to people? How is this entertaining to people? And and they'd go and they'd do their partying, and then they'd you know come in Monday looking like they'd spent all weekend partying. Then I'd hear about that, and it just never, uh, you know, it just never appealed to me. And uh, it was it was later in life, uh, and um, I, I can't really pinpoint you know the moment. It's interesting. So it wasn't because of the party scene. It was, it was more of an escape. It was more like you were, you, you know, you were going through stuff. You were struggling with stuff. You know, I'm, I'm thinking maybe it was escape uh, at, at first. And I, you know, I don't blame really anyone or anything or any scenario um, because I, I ended up making the choice every time I went 
for the drink and I went back for the drink and more and more and more. That was my choice. But, you know, maybe it was to escape being on all the time. Maybe it was to escape the radio persona and and, and try to, you know, be somebody different. I, I don't know why I really have no problem doing what I did on the radio for so long. Right. Um, you know, I, I had one relationship that went uh, very, very awry. That definitely caused my drinking and, and self-abuse to kick into a much higher gear, um, dealing with a lot of self-worth issues and, and such surrounding that. But um, yeah, I, I can't really pick one particular instance. You know, this happened and then I was an active alcoholic. I really can't put my finger on it, but man, oh man, I got into it and I got into it big and, and was, a, was a functional alcoholic uh, up, until, up until the moment I stopped. So did you did it ever um, get you into trouble at work? Like, did you ever say something that you you wanted back on the microphone? How, how did that uh, How did that work out? No, I uh, no, I, it never. Only one time did did someone you know say you you you, you smell like you've been drinking. Um, that was really it. I you know I'm sure people knew, but it didn't affect my performance enough to where I, I had to be pulled away from it. Right. You know, and it's not like you can, and, and don't think that, you know, oh, that means you can control it. I can, no, <laughs> no, I'm sure I was, I was not fooling anybody, but no, it, it never in, in life with the law, nothing, it ever really got me into any serious trouble. So what turned on the light bulb for you that you need to change it around? You were functioning, you were married, right? With the child, everything was working out. You weren't, you weren't messing up at work. Uh, it's just what turned on the light bulb for you that like, you know what? I got to stop. I got to, I got to, I got to fix this. Well, it was my wife. Um, she, uh, I, I woke up from a nap one day. Our son was six months old and she said, rehab or divorce and uh we we decided very quickly that you know i we couldn't afford me to go to rehab and leave my work um because i was i, I was you know a big contributor to the to the family budget so uh august 15th 12 noon uh i went cold turkey gave it all up uh held on to my kid and cried for a long time at the very thought of of not you know not having him around and um, said, okay, that's it. And uh, I've, I've not looked back. I've knocked on wood. Uh, I've, I've not relapsed. Um, I haven't really, really had too many struggles um, with, with the recovery process. There are a couple here and there, but for the most part, I'm, I'm so, so blessed and so grateful the, the way my recovery has gone. The, the, the impact of a good woman, Shane, huh? Impact of a good woman and an, a, and an awesome little kid. You know, he's my meeting every day. He saves my life every day, and uh, you know, it's um, and I'm 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 cool. I'm cool with that. I'm I'm getting some benefits out of it, but but my guy, he's he's just the absolute best. Did you ever do the meeting process? Did you ever do any of that, like the the you know the 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 scripted recovery work, or it's also it's a, it was a basically like you know your own deal. I went to I went to a couple three AA meetings uh, very early on, uh, just because I had no idea how to approach recovery, you know, and uh, figured that's just what you did. You went to AA meetings to to recover, and uh, you know, look, AA is great. NA is great. It serves a very good purpose uh, for for those 
who find the program works for them. I did not find that the program worked for me. I really did not enjoy the meetings at all. People were, were very kind. They were very welcoming. Um, but it just, it wasn't doing it for me. I didn't feel like it was going to help me. Um, so I just, I ended up doing my own thing, which is, you know, get up every day and don't drink and do stuff throughout the day and, and don't drink and see my kid and, and know that my kid was going to be there when I got home. Uh, so, you know, don't want to mess that up. So don't drink. And it's, it's worked every day since. Very interesting. I find it to be a common theme as I talk to more and more people you know, in the recovery process or in the recovery field, how everyone sort of finds their, their thing, you know, their, their thing that makes them click, that makes it work for them, you know, and, and the systems are, are great. They're great for a lot, a lot, a lot of people. But yeah. if the system doesn't work for you, I don't, I think that people should realize that they shouldn't be discouraged and they can find their own path. And it's really important to, you know, to talk to people and to identify like what path works for you. Um, to get you to get you going, you know, and <clears throat> to keep you on the on the straight and narrow. So it's really very illuminating to hear that, you know, from different people. Everyone has their own uh, their own story. For some people, AA changed their lives. For some people, without addiction treatment program, forget about it. They'd be dead on the streets. And for some yeah. people, they just, you know, it was their wife threatening them for divorce. Just uh, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's really interesting how that works. You know, it's it's so important for those of us in the recovery community to be as transparent as as we can be because. We could say something that hits on somebody else and they go, wow, that's very similar to my circumstance. So, yeah, it is going to work out this way. And, you know, it, you never know what who your story may affect or how it may affect them. So we, we it, I think it's our duty uh, to be to be very open and very honest, uh, even with the ugly parts of, of our story. Very cool. <clears throat> so you're spinning tunes. You're on the radio. You're becoming a popular voice. And you pivot. There's a little bit of a pivot here. You're still on the radio, but you yep. get very involved with the homeless community. Um, I got involved with the with the Salvation Army. Uh, I was uh, my my wife and I had had talked about, and we decided that we we definitely wanted to move forward with her being a stay at home mom, uh, taking care of our son, homeschooling him, the whole deal. How old is your boy now? He's five now. He's five and he's, he's awesome. Five going on 30. I can't keep up. Um, but he, um, so it, I meant that meant daddy had to make more money and I was going to look for a part-time gig, part-time overnight gig. If I could have uh, such luck and sure enough, scrolling through Facebook, just happened to catch uh, overnight monitor position at the Salvation Army homeless shelter in Cambridge. And I didn't even know we existed uh, here in Cambridge, to be honest with you. So I checked it out and I got hired and I just started doing uh, Saturday and Sunday overnights at the homeless shelter, letting people in, giving them a, a sandwich and sending them to bed. That was essentially the job description. And, and I was doing that for a while. And, and then I started getting attached and uh, seeing, you know, there was some some really serious need uh, beyond just homelessness. There were other levels of need because, you know, a lot of stuff will contribute to someone's life to get them into a position of homelessness right and uh, i just i kind of wanted to to help out and so i i got myself more and more involved here at the, at the core until my uh my captain who's who's here now she created a full-time position for me and um and now here i am so yeah definitely a big big pivot what did you learn about the homeless as people you know, I feel like people walk around the street, you see somebody, you know, unfortunately not in, you know, in a homeless, in a state of homelessness and you see him, you know, there's a kind of, um, you know, 
I would call, I don't want to use such a strong word, but people feel like repulsed and there's a guy sitting on a cardboard box or, and I feel like when you deal with the people themselves, you know, we see this in the, in the addiction treatment field as well. There's a certain light that goes on. There's a, there's, you know, there's a person here, you know, talk about a little bit about what you, how the, how your perspective changed to the, as to the homeless as a, as a person, as a human being. Well, they, they are people, they are human beings. And, you know, none of us, uh, is really too far away from being in the same circumstance as, as a lot of the individuals that, that we serve. And that's, that's worldwide. Uh, that's worldwide with a homeless population. So you, you start to, you know, you start to talk to them, you know, you're, you're not necessarily there to, and I caution my monitors about this. You're not necessarily there to be, to be their friend, but you're, you're there to, to be kind to them, you know, be, be civil to them, listen to them. And, uh, you know, see, you know, what what's going on. So I would, you know, I, I would do that. And, and some of them would would come in and I'd be talking to them and they'd get this look on their face and they'd go, why? Why do I know you? Why do I feel like they I know you? And then they'd make the connection. Oh, you're the guy on the radio. So so that, you know, that probably doesn't happen at many homeless shelters, but it, it did open a door where. You know that same thing. People thought that you know they, they could connect with me. They felt that, that so it's sort of that we, that trust that we were talking about before. You exactly. built some sort of trust because they heard your voice and that you're kind of a friend almost. So you use that to to listen to them and and just listen. You know, don't offer advice, don't offer suggestions. Just listen and find out that okay, you had some some trouble. You know, maybe with addiction or maybe just poor budgeting, or maybe someone stole all your money in a relationship and ran away. So everybody's got a different story, but they they still deserve, you know, they still deserve love. They still deserve care. And, um, and, and they've, they've been told no, maybe so many times that they've gotten frustrated and just given up. Well, I would like to have us, you know, my, myself, the monitors, everybody here just give them that respect and that love and that care and, and try to help them up out of their position. So, you know, they're, they're very much like, like you and I, and the, and everybody we see throughout our day, um, their circumstance is a little bit different, but they're, we're, we're all really, really similar. And we need to remember, you know, it's, is that uh, goes back to that very simple golden rule, you know, and uh, just, just treat people the, the way you want to be treated because, because they deserve it. Even when it, you know, they may seem unlovable and unhelpable and, and just be very difficult. Uh, we're all unlovable and unhelpable and difficult at times, but we, we still need that care and that help just like they do. So how, how did you navigate um, COVID with, the, you know, with the shelters and stuff? Was there that, that must have thrown you for a loop? We we uh, we day sheltered actually for a while. We shut down completely and, and everybody who came in, uh, we we kept them. We kept them here during the day, during the night, uh, which we don't have a day shelter program. So that was something different to shuffle staff and, and bring in volunteers. You mean because they couldn't leave because if they would leave, they wouldn't be able to come back. Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. And how did, how did you do new uh, admits like new people coming in? What happened? You had to test them and you had well, to. We, um, you know, that was before testing was even a thing. So we would um, we, we I think we actually shut it down completely for a while. And and some some of some of the guests that we get come from other agencies. So they were already housed. They were already in a position and, you know, eviction moratorium started to be a, a thing and people for the most part, ended up staying put where they were. Uh, so we didn't really have to, you know, turn a bunch of people away, which was good because we never want to do that, COVID or not. Uh, right. we, we certainly don't want to 
that. You, got, you guys are pretty essential, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we, we were able to, to get a lot of help from our local health department, uh, digital thermometers, masks, gloves, the whole deal, uh, cleaning supplies. And we were, we were able to, uh, we were very, very blessed. We didn't have, um, we didn't have any problems at all through, through COVID. Do you see rates of homelessness dropping because of the eviction moratoriums that are ongoing? And, and how are you preparing for that to end? Because I, I imagine that's going to end at some point soon. It will. Uh, the eviction moratorium varies from state to state. And then, of course, there's the CDC moratorium, and they say that's going to end at uh, July 31st of, of 2021. Uh, we have seen a difference. Um, you know, people who wouldn't pay their rent for whatever reason or couldn't pay their rent for whatever reason, um, they've essentially been protected. Uh, by this eviction moratorium. So our numbers, our numbers have, uh, were low uh, for quite some time. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, It's a good thing. You know, landlords weren't getting their money. Yeah. I I mean, I mean, from your perspective, I mean, like, like there's nothing more that you'd wish for than for you guys to be out of business, right? Have have no, have no customers. Yeah, and we're, I'm I'm working on that. I'm trying to come up with a way to do that. Maybe oh yeah, you're that. you're solving homelessness, Shane. Uh, yes, uh, that's another show. But, uh, why are you not on? A, why are you not on like a Washington D.C. commission? Be, because I can't stand Washington D.C. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're, it's it is going to change. What what we've seen is. Um, it, it is going to change when the eviction moratoriums end and evictions are able to go forward. And we've seen a few. We've seen a lot of notices to quit where the landlord just isn't renting anymore. This place is no longer a rental, so you need to get out. That's what we've seen a, a lot uh, happen so far. But what's what is going to happen is people will be evicted. Our numbers will increase to the point where we are at 100% full capacity. Um, and then... The, you know, the challenge becomes, okay, where do the people in our shelter now go to find a permanent place to live? Because that's the idea. They come in, they get into our, if they get into our transitional shelter program, they've got X number of days to work with a rapid rehousing specialist or to find a place on their own to go and, and be settled into by the end of, of that program. So, so the, the, goal, the goal is to get them out, to get them in and get them out. The goal is to get them into permanent housing, but also to give them a good structure to to continue living so we can reduce the rate of recidivism that I right. see pretty high over here. Drugs, alcohol, addiction. What is that impact on homelessness from your experience? Uh, it's pretty big. Um, I would say, you know, looking at the numbers that we have right now, we've got a couple of different shelter models here on property. And, and one is designed specifically for people who have substances in their system. Um, and it's, it's a pretty high number, uh, especially with males. That's interesting. There, there is a discrepancy between males and females in terms of drug addiction and homelessness? That I'm seeing. There may not be, uh, but, but I'm, I'm seeing quite a few males who, who don't have a place to go. And when they come to us, they've got something in their system. They're either drunk or they've got uh, residual narcotics in their system. Um, and then, you know, they, they crash with us for a couple of days. They disappear for a few days. They come back, you know, hey, do you want to try the other shelter program? No, man, I was doing this or that while I was away. I just needed a place to crash. Okay, no problem. Go ahead and lay down. But I would say overall, we probably see, 
you know, pretty, pretty close to, I don't know, 40, 45% of the people who come to us have, have addictions issues. Wow. That's enormous. It is huge. It is. So tell us a little bit about how you deal with that. Um, first of all, in the, on the shelter level, um, are you able to control that no substances are coming in? Is there, is there, do you tolerate drug use on the, you know, in the home or is that not even something like, you know, this is a place where you crash and we don't, we don't really get involved in, in, in that aspect of it at all. Well, we've got two shelter models. Uh, one, you come in, you've got a photo ID, you blow a clean breathalyzer, you take a clean urinalysis, there's nothing in your system, and we get you in and started on one particular program, and we run those drug and alcohol tests randomly while you're staying in that program. That's one model. Uh, and if you if you come in and you're you know you end up under the influence of whatever, and you're you're in that transitional shelter program, we call it. Um, you're out of that program. We offer you the other shelter model, which is which is for those who come in, they've been drinking or they've got whatever in their system. As long as you aren't um, out of control with whatever is in your system, you can grab a bite to eat, grab a bed and crash for the night. Um, it's a first come, first serve shelter. You cannot use on property. Even if you have a valid medical marijuana card, you cannot use on property. Okay, you can have THC in your system, but you you can't use it on property. Okay, what you do from from there on out, and and for the other shelter, we call it our white flag shelter. Uh, as as long as you're not acting out of out of turn with it, we'll give you a place to crash. But you know we've got to consider we've got to consider that there are people on this property. We've got to consider kids. We've got to consider women who are fleeing domestic abuse situations that are spurred by alcohol or drug use. We've got to consider that we've got people here who are in recovery. Uh, who may be, you know, ready to to quit their substance and go into recovery. So we'll we'll you know we'll allow we'll allow you to come in as long as you're as long as you're cool. If the minute you start getting out of hand, you're gonna have to go. And how long can you stay for? The white flag shelter, which we kind of refer to as our crash pad shelter, you can you can stay as many nights as you're able to grab a bed. Okay, we give them yeah. out first come, first serve every night. It's a daily thing. It's not like you can't hold on to your bed. It's in the morning. Exactly. Right. Yep. No personal belongings. No nothing like that. You come in, we feed you. There's your bunk. Grab a grab a good night's sleep. Get up the next morning. You get breakfast and and off you go. And if you if you need a bed the next night, you know, come back at six. If one's available, you can have it. If if not, sorry, but right. you know, it's how it works. Now tell us a little bit about your efforts about funneling the people that are affected by addiction in your and are homeless um you you you've built relationships with different treatment providers in the area and to try to funnel them to treatment which is the ultimate goal what are your efforts in that direction what have you guys what do you what do you guys do what are your programs for that well the salvation army actually has uh what we call arcs adult rehabilitation centers and some are for men some are for women and they're you know positioned throughout the country um so what we'll do is We'll say somebody comes to us and they, they grab a bed in the white flag shelter and, you know, they're, they're feeling a little rough and they stay for a couple of nights and then they disappear for a few nights. Then they come back and they're looking a little rough, feeling a little rough. You know, over time, um, we'll, we'll talk to them and say, um, you know, we'll, you know are, are you OK? Is everything good? Not, not getting too involved. Um, and then we'll we'll just kind of let them open up a little bit and and try to listen for those keywords. Man, I'm so tired of, or gosh, I wish I, I wish I could. You know, when when they show they're ready to make a change or they want something to be different, um, 
then we'll, we'll step in and go, well, listen, there are some resources in the area uh, that could help you out. What are you, what would you like to do? And, and, you know, let them answer the questions. Don't push things on them. Uh, as great as, as these programs are, you can't push it on somebody. They have to be willing to make that decision themselves. So we'll engage them and, and just kind of let them talk to us, let them share. And from there say, okay, well, there's this program or there's this program, depending on, you know, what they want treatment for, where they want to be in the country, that kind of thing. And just, um, and, and from there kind of, kind of help them through the process, you know, they couldn't take the phone number to an agency and make the intake appointment, all that themselves, or we can offer to help them out. You know, hey, I know a guy who runs, uh, you know, the intake program at, at Avenues here in Cambridge, or I know somebody who works on uh, Avenues at French Frederick. You know, would, would you like to make a phone call and talk to them and and let them let them lead the dance? You just you just kind of help them out as as they go. Was there ever thought to bringing in? you know, addiction interventionists and specialists into the home to talk to the people? Is that something that you guys do or something that you've thought of? You know, sort of bring it bring it to them? We've we've started uh, to talk about that with some area providers. Uh, we do have a uh, what's called a recovery and wellness center here in town. It's not a rehab clinic or a recovery clinic, uh, but it's a it's a resource for people who are trying to rebuild their lives again. So they've come in and talked about eviction prevention. They actually have um, like Narcan kits and and that it's it's you know alcoholism is in there, but it's a lot lot for drug use. Right. Uh, so we partner with them. They've come in and done a couple of, uh, they're actually doing a resource fair here with us uh, in the not too distant future. And and uh, when Avenues Cambridge, uh, Avenues of the Eastern Shore was starting to build, uh, I was fortunate enough to, to begin communicating with a, with a couple of members of the team. And, and that's something that we talked about. So it's, it's in the works of having counselors, having peer support uh, come in and do, you know, outreach clinics, for lack of a better term, for those right. here at the shelter and those out in the community um, so we can maybe try to help people before they get to the point where they're experiencing homelessness because of their addiction. Very cool. So you have a lot on your plate. A little bit. When's your next show, Shane? Uh, every weekday afternoon from 2 until 7 Eastern time. Give us a segment. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't rehearse. I don't script. I right just, there. Just make believe you're in front of the mic. What are you, you selling? Know, Blake Shelton and Stefani got married this weekend. Turns out their wedding cake has a lot of sentimental significance to both of them. I've got the details after the new Luke Combs. <laughs> That's great. What, <laughs> what, are the, what are the details? Uh, now, now I'm curious. Well, you'll have to tune in this afternoon to uh, catch the radio show, and that's when you'll find out. Are you available on on, uh, on online? Can we can we hear you online? Chesapeake Country 1063com There's also a mobile app. Are you guys on the iHeart app, like the iHeart Radio app, or no? Nope. We are an independent company owned by uh, Draper Media. WBOC is is the, the like the lead station they've got tv and radio properties but they keep it local give us a final message to people who are uh you know want to get involved want to help um homelessness addiction you know getting message out etc what would you tell them um first what I, what I really want to make sure to get out is to is to the the addiction community um if you're thinking about about kicking your addiction uh, first of all, you're a rock star, even for thinking about it. Um, second of all, it's okay to be scared. 
I did not expect the tremendous wave of fear when I made the decision to stop drinking. And it was a gigantic wave of fear and it would crash over me over and over and over and over again. What were you scared of? Uh, The unknown. I spent so many years being a functioning alcoholic. I mean, I had I had mixed drinks prepared in every room of my house so that wherever I was, I had a drink ready to go. Um, And I did everything while drinking. So now I went from doing everything while drinking to doing absolutely nothing while drinking. How in the world could I possibly do anything without a drink? It was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. Um, but it's okay to be scared because you can you can do everything without your addiction of choice. And uh, you can do it one day at a time, as, as we say. And um, you will find a day when you go, I'm not scared anymore. I'm going to do this, this, and this, and I'm I'm not scared about that anymore. And 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 that's awesome. You will get through it. So it's it's okay to be scared. Um, for those who don't wrestle with addiction, um, you know, give us a give us a little bit of leeway. Uh, if it's something you don't understand, you know, talk to us. Ask us, and uh, a lot of us are willing to share so that you can understand it without having to go through it. Uh, and and to those who are watching a a loved one go through addiction, uh, you know, God love you. You have, you have a very, very hard job ahead of you. Um, they do have to make the decision themselves. They really, really do. Um, and it's, it's so hard. Everybody's situation is different. So I can't really give a cookie cutter, you know, this is what you should do. This is what you should say. But, um, you know, I, I, I get it. I did, I did a lot to my family and friends and, and there's there's still rebuilding and still recovery there, so it'll it, it takes time, but um, work with them, love them, and, uh, and and help them through it as best as you can. Great stuff, Shane. Uh, anything you want to promote? What do you got going uh, on? It's awesome. The Salvation Army is cool. Listen um, to my show. Avenues, Avenues is great. No, it's you know I I it's so funny. I spent so many years doing radio and, and, you know, being in the spotlight, it was all about me, 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 me. And now anything and everything that comes through the Salvation Army that, that works and is great and is good. They're like, you know, my captain will go, Shane did this. And I'm like, nah, I, no, I, no, I want absolutely no recognition, no promotion, no nothing at all. It's amazing. The reward of the, the, the reward of your work is rewarding you by itself. That's enough that's, for you. That's enough. It's changing, it's change your perspective. I, yeah. That's amazing. You know, I can, you know, I'm happily seated quietly in a corner, just watching things happen. And I, I can go to bed as my daddy used to say, uh, go to bed with, with good tired at the end of the good day. Good tired. And, and I, giving back, giving back. will do that to you. Yeah, Shane, awesome. thank you so much for coming on today. Um, thank you. best of luck when you work going forward, you know, that we're always here avenues yeah. and the Salvation Army can partner in a ton of things. Um, yeah, I really, love it. I'm so great, you guys. Really appreciate your hard work on everything. Thank you so much for coming on, guys. If you want to listen to Shane, listen to his radio show, and follow him on Twitter at Shane is Batman. Is that right? At Shane yeah, is Batman. Right. Uh, you did your homework. That's you awesome. know that. You know it. Are you a big Marvel guy? Is that is that what that is? No, nope, strictly Batman. Batman. Just Batman. Greatest of all time. I will not budge on that. All righty, there you go. There you have it. Guys, this has been another edition of Rubber Bands, conversations about the push and pull of addiction. We have given you Shane Walker to listen to. Listen, rate, subscribe. Give us some feedback if you're enjoying the podcast. Thank you guys all for listening. Have a great, great day.